0: Welcome to the Save What You Love podcast. I'm your host, Mark Titus. Well, here we are in 2023. Welcome. It's good to be back. It's good to have a chance to connect with you here. Today, we get to sit down with Ashley Koff, who is a registered dietitian who lives in Maine and has made it her mission to make better nutrition a way of life for everybody. Ashley comes from a background in advertising and creating brands and Therefore, (laughs) knows where all the bodies are buried and knows all the BS and is able to speak to that beautifully. Today, she talks about her experience in Bristol Bay and why Bristol Bay wild sockeye salmon is an extremely healthy choice for us all as we get moving into the new year here. She's been featured in the Huffington Post on Good Morning America, E! News O!, the Oprah Magazine, Red Book, Natural Health, The Today Show, and many others. And Ashley is a tremendous voice, not only for feeling good, but also for doing what's right for the planet. And it was a real pleasure to speak with her today. If you're liking the show, give us a rating on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. It really helps our visibility. Okay, so without further ado, Ashley Kauf. you getting tough. Ashley Koff, where are you joining us from today? Welcome.
1: Thank you so much. So I'm in Camden, Maine, so mid-coast Maine for anyone who is trying to find me on a map. Um, yes, and it is a pleasure to be here.
0: It's great. Last time we saw each other was in Washington, D.C., and I think it was in 2015. And we had a screening of my film, The Breach, mm-hmm. and you were speaking, and it was perfect. It was really kind of magical. And strangely enough, at that time, there was a lot going on with the pebble mine, and we, we knew that Bristol Bay had some protections afforded to it, and this incredible self-generating food source looked like it was in protection. And here we are, it's years later, and we're a week, a week out from this really great news for Bristol Bay again. And how, how did you receive the news and, and where were you and what were you doing when you, when you heard about it?
1: Yeah, well, it probably goes back to um, what's a dietitian doing caring about Bristol Bay? Um, and... To be fair, I think all dietitians, I think all Americans should care about Bristol Bay. um, And I think all people of the world should care about Bristol Bay. But I have a very personal connection. And my younger brother is a fly fishing guide um, who uh, ended up going up to Alaska. He's been guiding in Alaska for, gosh, over 15 years um, and w- with an entity that was up there that is on this tiny little, you know, float plane in uh, lodge. Um, that's incredible. And so I first went to visit him there and just fell in love. I was like, this is just magical and and so fun to fish. And the salmon was obviously an incredible, significant part, but what was also really, um, we had this just great experience. We went hiking and then um, you know, we'd go to areas where you'd see the bears and you'd see just the, the wildlife and you understood how everything there is so interdependent. Um, and for me, that was w- what really one of the things that I took away. I mean, for me, my first trip to Alaska was literally life changing. I was like, OK, I understand what what I've been doing in terms of wanting to help people make better food choices. But what we need to protect you know, is really valuable. So I ended up going up there, not to make a long story long, but I'll share a little, little of it. I ended up going back up um, because I was working with a company that had just decided to source their fish oil from wild salmon and was were actually doing it very sustainably using the heads of the wild salmon that were otherwise discarded and could actually be a pollution um, if you discard a ton of those heads because, you know, the bears eat the heads. And so, you know, I, I learned that whole piece. And um, and when I went up on that trip, they actually had us. And it was very cool because I was there with Mariel Hemingway and she had caught a fish. And, you know, it was just incredible. And but they also had introduced us, um, took us around to communities. Um, I got to see a couple of the uh, community health centers and that was profound for me as a practitioner um, in terms of that. And I also, um, got to, uh, interact with, um, you know, people of all ages and really understand. And then I also went to, um, the, facilities that are managing, um, I forget the name of it, but the center where they're managing the flow of the salmon and and just saw how thoughtful, um, how unpolitical any of this was, um, but just how they were organizing and doing such a brilliant job. And so it really became just such a part of a mission. And at that time, we actually were able to fly in to Pebble and I saw what they were what they were already doing, and then what they were proposing to do, and that got me really like I got to go try to make a difference um, in that space. So um, through that, through entities like Trout Unlimited, colleagues like um, Chef Rick Moonen, um, uh, you know, um, we've got. Uh, um, just blocked out of my head. Oh, Paul, I was trying to think of Paul's first name, author of Four Fish, Paul Greenberg. Uh, right. you know, we, we got to go with all of these incredible people, went up there and did the little bit that we could with our platforms and watched this super magical, again, not political at all, which was so nice to be a part of, just magical collaboration of people who are oftentimes on such different sides of issues come together. Um, and also in recognition, because we' weren't Alaskans come together and do what we could in the lower 48, but also say, hey, we're just here to tell you we got your back, you guys, you know, like on, on that part. So where that took me in 2015 was really proud and excited and inspired. And then that led to just gut, like my, my gut-wrenching, heart-wrenching, you know, for all of you and, and for others to see um, that that was going to be pulled back. Um, and a big part of that was it felt like we were compromising, we were compromising on America and Americans and the United States and Alaskans for the benefit of these other countries and in particular for um, business wealth, you know, and it just was like, we could so stop, you know, this. So where I am today is just over the moon. Um, I think it's a little bit like I'm over the moon ish. Like I like I need to know that this is really done and anything that is tied into our government. Um, and has, for whatever reason, become political, always concerns me that it's legitimately protected. So one of the things that I think is really important for people to take away is that we continue to focus on protecting this and also other wildlife um, that are as valuable, you know, so I think that to me is really important.
0: Okay, thanks for listening, audience. Uh, That about wraps her up. Uh, That was a wonderful, (laughs) (laughs) wonderful. No, that was brilliant. I had no idea you went so deep into Bristol Bay lore, and what a perfect timing for uh, leading into the work that you do. But having this really complete understanding of place by going there, and and we're we're gonna cross streams with this more than once during this conversation, but. That is absolutely at the core of the work we're trying to do, both as filmmakers and as food providers uh, with our company, Ava's Wild, and storytellers, and ultimately getting people to that place. I think you've just illustrated beautifully why experience is what absolutely imprints and then ultimately is passed on, down to future generations. So we're going to come back to a bunch of this. Uh, for now, I want to start at the beginning. I would love to know how just tell us your story and how, how did you get into this really important work that you do?
1: Thank you. And for the, um, on so many fronts and, and I'm just so excited about what you guys do. I mean, it's uh, from the moment we met, I'm like, I'm just, I, this is, this is really great to have these stories told in a way that can be impactful to people. Um, so I am a kid from Ohio. I was born in Ann Arbor, Michigan and moved to Columbus, Ohio. So I'm a confused Big Ten fan, but I'm, I'm a kid from Ohio primarily <laughs> who um, grew up in, you know, Columbus, Ohio is, is really the test market for a lot of fast food, you know, Wendy's and and others all being there. And food quality was never anything that was on my radar at all. Um, and I grew up in a medical family. So my dad's a surgeon, a pediatric surgeon. And a lot of things were kind of all coming together to have had, have me go down a path of um, not really being in tune with any connection to... Um, how our food is created um, and what that means for our planet, and you know, and any of these pieces, and that's not anyone's fault uh, or judgment. It was just literally the way that I was raised. Surprisingly, like I would go, you know, to farms and and milk cows, and um, you know, for camp in the summer and ride horses and things like that. So I, I had a lot of outdoor exposure, but not tied to food source, and certainly not tied to the quality of and protection of quality of, of food source. Um, and I uh, wanted to be um, Angela Bauer from Who's the Boss? I'm a little bit older in that TV show. And I thought she was fabulous. And I really loved how she went and did this advertising job. And so I wanted to go do that. Um, and that is what I ended up going and doing. But along the way, um, I was, you know, in my high school and, and even in middle school, I felt like I was, um, there were times where I felt I was heavier, overweight. I was battling a belly Um, there were times where other people let me know I was overweight, you know, and I dealt with, you know, sort of those, those pieces. And I tried a lot of dieting and, um, it seemed to work really good for other people and it didn't work great for me. And that failure mindset of, you know, like I'm pretty smart, I can do things if I put my mind to them, et cetera. But when it, when you try something and it doesn't work for you and it works for other people, you just feel like there's something wrong with you or you're not good at it. Mm. So I pretty much saw myself as a diet failure going to college, um, and then I was introduced to a whole world in college of people who were really good at diets, um, but things that I'd never seen before: um, severe eating disorders, uh, drugs, um, you know, different things, and um, over exercising, and just you know all, all of these things. And I tried some of those, and again, with, fortunately, was not good at those and um, didn't progress into. Uh, some of those areas. And so my own personal experience um, was of just being really kind of always bothered by, I was so successful in many areas of my life, but I wasn't successful in my, um, what at the time I only saw as appearance related. Um, In my twenties, I pursued, so I went to work in advertising. I sold sugared cereals to America. My client was Kellogg's um, I helped make uh, smart start and, you know, sell uh, raisin brand crunch. And I also sold, um, you know, uh, De Beers diamonds and hair color and, you know, things that were not necessarily doing better in people's lives. Um, and at the same time, I was a hot mess as a person. I was really falling apart. I had horrible anxiety, panic attacks. I had for the first time in my life, I had some skin issues. I had, um, Uh, I had tried. So at this point, I was avoiding almost all food. Um, I was a vegan macrobiotic. I went to yoga twice a day. Um, I had almost no social life, like just really kind of crumbling within. And I went to the regular medical system. And uh, they were basically like, well, there's nothing wrong with you. Like, we've checked you out, no problems. And then their comment, what, like one doctor was like, well, you might have a mental problem, so maybe you need to go see a therapist. So I went to see a therapist who was totally right that it was all my parents' problem, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and we didn't quite get anywhere. And um, I, uh, unfortunately, I, and or fortunately, as my career would, would result from it, And in doing yoga, I had made a friend who was was a healer. She didn't have any like traditional background, um, but she, uh, had a feeling that she could help me and she offered to test my blood and let me know what was going on. I think she pricked my finger and took my blood and my $300, which I did not have at the time and put it under (laughs) a Fisher price microscope, um, and she told me that I had a worm, and then she started to ask me about what was life like at age 14 and 15 and was things, you know, was that a hard oh time God. for me and all of this, right, on and on. And I promise I'll get quick from here. But this is important because I, I'm going to share with you. Um, so her recommendation was be, in order to get rid of this worm, I had to do a seven-day goat's milk-only cleanse. Um, and mm-hmm. so hook, plant, yes, and sinker, I'm like, yep, absolutely, It's goat's milk's the perfect food. It'll kill off the worm. You can kill it off in just 15 days. You'll actually see it passing. You'll see clumps of whitish-gray worm coming out of you. Well, if you've ever only drank milk for a couple of days, the only thing that comes out of you is like white clumps, you know, on that part. So she was right. (laughs) Um, But what was super interesting on that part was I went ahead and did it. um, And to the tune of like taking goat's milk to a bar in lower Manhattan for my friend's birthday party be- and telling the bartender to make it look like I was drinking a white Russian. Cause I didn't want anyone to think I was weird. And he's like, but you're crazy. I was like, I know I'm crazy, but can you just do this? I'm on this goat's milk cleanse. Right. Yeah. So the funny part was I felt amazing on the goat's milk cleanse. It was the first time like my system felt great. You know, I was like, okay, she's onto something. But you know, two days later after the goat's milk cleanse, I am just back to like, you know, having like a six month pregnancy belly when I eat things and like all of this other stuff. So that got me, I was like, screw it. I'm going to be a fun 21-year-old or whatever age I was. I'm going to drink alcohol. I'm going to do whatever, and I give up. And um, I was in a bar telling this story, kind of like a stand-up comedian, and I ended up literally one of the bar guests that was listening to this and crying with me um, was a gastroenterologist. And she, was really rare at that time to have a female gastroenterologist, was also talking about the kind of work that she does was more what she called integrative. And I had no idea. i I'd never learned about that. And she just actually asked me a couple of questions. She's like, Hey, by any chance, did you ever take antibiotics as a kid? I was like, Oh my gosh, I freebase them. Like I was given them all the time. Cause I had ear infections and throat infections. And my dad would just be like, before you ruin another vacation, take it prophylactically, you know, all of that stuff. And she asked me a series of other questions and that proceeded over the course of the next six months for me to work on with, in collaboration with her, with healing my digestion. And she also told me that it wasn't really anything that I was eating because everything that I was eating was your, my system was so irritated. It was just, you know, et cetera. And that process, I was like, legitimately, I need to make sure that everyone in America, A, never goes on a goat's milk cleanse um, and B, like has access to this information. And I'm like, and I'm really good at marketing and selling stuff. So like, I want to learn how to do this and, and get it out there to people. So that's how I ultimately became a dietician. Um, and through my work there, one of the most profound things, fly fishing has played a very key role in my life. Most mm. profound, not with my brother, but with one of his friends, I'm out fly fishing. This is 100 years later, probably five, and I'm a dietitian. And he's embarrassed. You know, you go on a typical out with a guide, and it's like a PBJ and Cheetos and a diet soda or something. And no disrespect. Yep. A lot of, di- of guys are doing phenomenal with their food. But a lot of times it was that kind of thing. And he actually, at that moment, his wife had made me a salad that he served me in a ceramic bowl. And he says to me, he's got some bison with him. And he said, now, I think you don't eat meat, but I have this bison, and we actually killed it, and our whole family shares in it, and I cooked it, and it's this. He's like, or I have this bar, but, you know, we don't eat this because it's got this soy protein isolate in there. And we ended up, for the rest of the day while we were fishing, having this entire conversation about what's wrong with nutrition and I ended up coining the term qualitarian. And from that day forward, I said, I need to be a I encourage other people to be a And I'm going to really make this my mission, which led me to go down a path of needing to understand how is the quality, how, what's being done to our food or food supply or ingredients so that I can distinguish quality. And one of the key pieces for me was to distinguish that the, farm salmon and wild salmon are just two separate beasts. And so there's, there may be quality issues in wild salmon and we want to look at, you know, where it's sourced from in these, and there's, and over here we've got farm salmon. So it's played out in all these really interesting ways, but that was how it ultimately, and the fish oil products brought me back to learning about Bristol Bay and And kind of coming in in that space. Um, So thanks for allowing me to go down memory lane there. I hope I haven't bored everyone. But I bet you all have had a rock bottom moment at different times like that. Because after thousands of patients, I always say to them, I bet my rock bottom was worse than yours. Um, And then also, uh, it's so valuable to have those moments where it triggers in you um, the ability that you may need to um, say... No, thank you to some of the the medical what the medical system is offering, and look for you know someone else who can help support you in your health journey on that part.
0: Who knew it's all about the goats? goats all about milk. the
1: goat's milk, the perfect food. I will never the ever like have perfect. goat's milk. Uh, yeah, it, yeah. Anyway,
0: I'm so I'm so glad you went there, and uh, it is. This is the kind of quality entertainment you can't just make up. This is fantastic.
1: <laughs> That's right, exactly. And,
0: <laughs> and look, you know, food first. What a what a wonderful revelation to wake up and discover, truly awaken, and and discover your vocation. And you know, uh, I, I, for one, if you've been following along with this podcast or any of my work, you you know that uh, I I certainly hit a rock bottom. Um, you know, as, as a, as an addict and, um, am a man in recovery now. And, Mm -hmm. um, and you know, it is, it's weird. I I say many times that it's the best thing that ever happened to me and it was a shitty thing to go through. It was a terrible, terrible tumble underwater and and to find and scratch and claw for my bottom. But out of that really came my life's work. And that's what I'm hearing from you Mm -hmm. too it you, you were you, you hit a place where you you needed to find a better way mm-hmm. and um as i'm hearing a qualitarian is looking into uh certainly not the quantity and and just a way to fill people's bellies but like a way to get better through food mm-hmm. is that a fairly accurate assessment.
1: Absolutely. And I think it's one of the, so first of all, I'm so proud of you. I think that that is, um, that's it's, it's an everyday thing. And I think for all of us, you know, we, we all have things that is an everyday thing, but for an addict, um, that the profound impact that that has and the ability to turn around and say, Hey, I want to, appreciate it, have grace and give myself grace and have gratitude for what that was in my life to now be able to have it move me forward is, is really powerful. Um, and, um, I know that extends to the people in your life and all of those pieces there, there's a lot, you know, mm-hmm. to it. um, qual- quality in our choices, um, is something that, and I want to be really clear here. Cause I just talked about a lot of things. I recognize that, especially in the United States, and this is Alaska especially, access to quality um, from an affordability standpoint and just sheer access is completely um, challenging and inappropriately imbalanced, et cetera. And I do a lot of, I've tried to do a lot of work in there and I try to support a lot of, of people in that, in making, creating change that way. So I don't want to say, hey, the solution to health is better quality and, oh, by the way, you should have wild salmon all the time and everything should be organic. It's not fair um, because it's not an acceptable challenge. I would never tell somebody to do something that they can't outright do. What I do think we can do and what quality for me helped me later refine as um, my company is now the acronym for my company, the Better Nutrition Program, is BNP, and it stands for Better Not Perfect. Perfect. And what Qualitarian, for me, really helped me move into is that as a guiding principle, better not perfect. It's how I operate my life. Um, and if, from a nutrition standpoint, when we understand that there is no perfect health, um, there is from when, right the second before we're born and the second that we, you know, from the moment we leave this earth, um, that's the only place where there, where perfection is happening. And the rest of the time, the body's in a constant struggle. And our challenge and our opportunity for better health, which is what we all want and and want to be able to enjoy, really comes from being able to, in moments, identify better choices and be able to make them more frequently. So what quality and qualitarian to me, it helps me give a lens for just all the kookiness that is marketed from a a nutrition standpoint, especially, again, in, in in the United States. It gives me the ability to say to someone, hey, what's a doable better choice for you right now? Or to shine a light on, here are some better choices. What feels doable for you? Um, And to me, I think that that's the empowering nature of what we can do. Um, And how that can change lives is hopefully reducing stress around a lot of, of sort of right answers that exist out there that are based on completely faulty premises um, of this notion of perfection or one size fits all or even multiple sizes fit any, you know, in that capacity. So hope that answers your question. But that that is my thought process there.
0: That's great. And you, we have a similar phrase in the recovery community, uh, progress, not perfection. Mm-hmm. It's one one day at a time, one step at a time. And um, I, I love everything you're, you're saying here about meeting people where they are. And um, I'd, I'd love to get your take on the most current take on obesity and what we're hearing about young people and about how nutrition factors into that. And it's, you know, what we're hearing now is that take more drugs to. You know, curb this this epidemic of childhood obesity, and this is obviously controversial. Um, and you know, what what's your current assessment of that from a nutritional background?
1: Yeah, and it's so psychosocial. Um, so, as I shared with you all my journey, um, I was never clinically obese, um, but I I think dealing with weight issues um, uh, in any gender or what however one identifies um, early on in life. Uh, has profound impact on your development, just as dealing with any issues. you know, so if you're somebody who has skin issues, if you have something visible, um, but there's a there's a there's sort of a special torment or side to weight that um, people feel like it's just something you should be able to fix. So I think the most important thing for us to understand is that weight is not, and I don't even like obesity as a, um, I appreciate it as a diagnosis, but as a condition because what we're re- it's an end product. So the body has all these functions, it's metabolic function. And so obesity is a byproduct of metabolic dysfunction. And if we don't look under the hood and start to understand how that dysfunction is occurring and why that dysfunction is occurring and start to fix the different pieces, um, then having somebody, you know, get injections to improve insulin response or reduce uh, appetite or, you know, any of the myriad of things that that are good tools in a toolbox potentially, um, they're missing the bigger picture. And what we're doing is we're not helping somebody be healthier later on in life or, you know, at any point. Now, um, a big part of that is also, uh, early trauma. Um, I'm not an expert on this. So it's stuff that I like, whether it's Gabor Mate or, you know, some other really um, uh, impactful people um, who I've learned from and, you know, on that piece. But my understanding is from brain development um, and how our body tra- processes trauma and how our brain experiences it is that. Early in life, we don't have the ability for the body to move on beyond, move, move away from those traumas, you know, it, it, the way that we develop once once our brain is fully developed. So dismissing the role of trauma um, is so critical because it actually has physical impact and implications in the body as it relates to that. So one of the things that I, I bring all of that up because to treat obesity as a nutrition problem and especially as a too much of nutrition problem, is totally flawed. So there definitely is a role for too little of, like if you're not getting the right enough of the nutrients that your body needs in forms that it can use, um, or if it's overwhelmed by things that are irritating um, or disruptive to its efforts. But what we really need to do with childhood obesity, you know, as I wave my wand, and um, I don't necessarily need to be president, but I definitely need to be like the the health czar that just has the unlimited. If I could just take all the resources the insurance companies have and then just use them differently, um, if we could assess individuals and work on things um, such as digestive digestive function, you know, uh, optimizing that, which may come from like-minded, like come from your parents, you know? So it's like, mm-hmm. let's fix those problems, you know, and and deal with some of that stuff. It will allow us to um, help raise a truly healthier generation that then raises and has truly healthier offspring. If we go the path of using tools that are now available with drugs, with surgery and other things, um, the unfortunate side effect is, on the one hand, we may address, like, if somebody can lose weight and and it helps them make healthier choices um, personally, you know, in terms of their uh, protecting themselves and in terms of their food choices and, you know, live a happier life, wonderful on that part. So I'm not dismissing that piece. But if we don't address the underlying dysfunction, we aren't going to help somebody actually have a healthier life moving forward. Um, and the, re- the recidivism, the, the likely of, likelihood of recurrence of disease um, is going to be an end of, of weight gain and things like that in the absence of just continuously taking medication and likely, I guess, having to increase the dosage of it and, you know, things like that um, right. is going to be significant in that in that part.
0: Well, let's go back to accessibility. And, um, and this has a lot to do with your, your psychological assessment of yourself and um, dealing with shame and um, self-worth. And, you know, how about, I, I think a lot of us get overwhelmed when we're thinking about nutrition and, quote, unquote, how to do it right. And so we, we give up. And we defer to the status quo that's out there because it's cheap. It's convenient. It's right there. My God, where do I get fresh? You know, especially in places like food deserts where it, it's...
1: Well, Mark, can we take just that one right there? Yes. That, is, that one it. right there is one of the biggest marketing faux pas that we've ever made. So to call one part of the um, grocery store fresh pro- fresh in terms of produce... And another, mm-hmm. not fresh, i.e., frozen or canned, et cetera, but especially frozen,
0: is oh, totally yeah.
1: flawed. So I, so it I is. do a whole um, language education. So I'm like, hey, let's let's change our vernacular. Let's let's learn a, a different nutrition language. And so in that grocery store, I'm like, okay, there's ready to eat produce. Now, it's, some of that produce may have been shipped here. It may be like the, it's already lost 15 percent of its nutrients. I'm making up a percentage, so please don't quote me sure. on that. But you know, it's been through it's been through the ringer on you know some of those things. And it's also typically priced um, much higher. Um, and we also, in that area, only support things that look really pretty because they're vis- they're supposedly you know need to look pretty. So the grocery stores get rid of something that might not look pretty, or maybe now they have a, a little bin for ugly, which is great. You know, I love that part. Mm-hmm. Um, so frozen, you know, talking about frozen and helping people um, understand and be able to utilize canned um, produce um, is really important. Uh, so I think that's that part is key. Um, so just that one there, you know, you and I both know because we could just use the fishing example. Um, exactly. Quote unquote, fresh fish as opposed to frozen fish that stayed frozen. That Then you you do have to learn how to cook it, you know, that you can do um, is often a lot the the stuff that's coming in is often a lot less fresh if it's in the quote unquote fresh fish area than you know, in the frozen. And there's total value in canned. There's total value in frozen. um and in frozen, we're often um, protecting it uh, and and having it retain its nutrient sources, et cetera. So, one of the reasons I think my, I have like an extra uh, an ability to help people in this space. And I feel extra committed to it is because I had this marketing background, I'm able to see how wrong marketing has done. And it's really marketing like, and, and the marketing messages that then even play out into our dietary guidelines, because the companies that make the products are influencing the dietary guidelines, all of mm-hmm. that stuff. We have to unpack that. So Take it away today, you know, canned salmon, absolutely canned uh, frozen fish, frozen fruits and vegetables, when you can consume organic. A lot of times people can get organic and frozen at a price point um, that may be a lot more approachable. And it also doesn't go bad within like one or one and a half days in your refrigerator, especially if I'm talking about berries. So just something like that helps somebody when I walk into a grocery store with them or they hear something like this, they're like, oh, Okay, I can look at my budget in a different way. Like, you know, Mm because I'm I stopped buying these because they were in the bin in the in the refrigerator and they went bad, and I was so mad about the money that I wasted, you know, that kind of thing. So I think those are the things that we have to do a better job of helping. I think every single person in the system has to accept a certain amount of responsibility. So the doctor has to accept responsibility and not make something sound like it's just easy. Like, Hey, um, you, you have high blood pressure. You need to, you need to, um, stop stressing. Like, really that's helping me. No. So I need a how to plan. Um, I, and if the doctor can't give it, I need to work with a coach and, you know, be able to go through that part. Um, but if the person that's hearing it has to turn around and say, okay, I have a choice. I can either take a medication and sometimes we need both. So I'm not saying there's anything wrong with high blood pressure medication, but I can take a medication or I can learn to do 10 rounds of the four, seven, eight breath, which has research has shown is proven to operate for many people on par with blood pressure medication. So, can I, can I figure out a way to restructure my life choices where I can include that breathing? Um, And by the way, that's free. That's why I wanted to use that example, you know, in terms of, Mm -hmm. and, you know, and then when we look at the food side of things, if canned salmon, if I can access canned salmon and I can find ways to enjoy it, um, canned wild salmon often um, is two to three times less expensive than a lot of the quality fish oils that are on the market when you look at price per meal or per day or, you know, that kind of thing. So there are ways to look at it and say, okay, there are choices for me that work within my budget, um, you know, et cetera. And sometimes we don't necessarily love the choices. Like when I start to talk to people about quality as it relates to coffee and how you really shouldn't drink coffee every day, that's poor quality because it's just, I mean it's really abusive, you know, on, on your system. Um, Mm -hmm. but there's also, there are better options. It don't mean that you have to either give up your coffee or have to spend a gazillion dollars on coffee. So we just have to find that middle ground, that better space to be able to make those choices
0: more often. That's fantastic insight. And you you know, a note on the frozen, we spend a lot of time talking to people about even, even chefs and, Mm -hmm. and you know, Logically makes sense that uh, the chefs further from the coasts, who um, don't quite get the message mm-hmm. that flash frozen salmon, especially flash frozen salmon from Bristol Bay, more on that in a second, mm-hmm. is excellent quality, and for the price point, um, you you can't beat it. a f- matter of fact, if you put it side by side with you know stuff that's never been frozen sometimes, I mean, most times you can't tell the difference. And, and there are times when, when people prefer the flash frozen. And mm-hmm. uh, I've certainly seen that in, in our case as well. And, you know, also considering the carbon offset on these things, mm-hmm. you know, for Bristol Bay in particular, because Bristol Bay salmon is harvested at one choke point, at one time in this little three-week window, in one geographic location it's all harvested at the same place same time in mass and then it's processed and frozen in mass and it's barged in mass down to the lower 48 and it's literally less carbon than an impossible burger mm-hmm. so it you know as a choice and and it's our job right we're doing this right now to try to educate folks on you know why that is a good choice um I want to go back into your work though for a second here and can you can you tell me a little bit about what AKA is?
1: Sure. Um, and to be fair, I'm not doing as much with it, or I'm almost doing nothing with it these days as compared, compared to the better nutrition program. But I created AKA, which stands for Ashley Kauf approved. Um, I never wanted it to be my name. Um, but it, uh, lawyers were like, Hey, you can't own anything. Like I was like, what about this or what, you know? and, And there was, there was nothing that I could own or trademark. So going back to, um, around 2002 2003, there really weren't any third-party certifications that looked at the rank, that looked at quality in the way that I wanted to look at quality, which included looking at their marketing messages. Um, and uh, so I, it was um, born out of conversations that I had with my then manager and um, you know some other folks. And I was like, you know, I'm constantly jotting down because at the time we didn't have you know all, all the digital tools that we have today. Um, and sharing with practitioners, patients, um, you know, the media, et cetera, showing the distinction between different products. And things that would really frustrate me were I would tell somebody about, um, you know, to, to, uh, hey, here's, I, I want you to get this particular bread. And then they'd go into the store and the person in the store would say, oh, no, no, we're having a sale on this particular bread. Oh, it has that too. And uh, and you read the ingredient label, it doesn't. But on the front, it was being marketed that way because you can say pretty much anything on the front of the pack. And um, so I decided to do this as a nonprofit. I decided to vet um, products uh, to be able to look at their marketing messages and to look at their ingredients. And based on the category to see if they fell into that better range, and that was what uh, mm-hmm. Ashley Koff approved meant. So it meant that you're a better product. It does not mean perfect. Um, it means that I've reviewed you because some places wouldn't actually give me enough information. I remember when Stevia came on the market, Truvia um, wouldn't. Get, they, I think they still wouldn't. I stopped trying, but wouldn't give me access to their process. They said it's a patented process. that, okay. I just need to know: Are you heating? Are you doing this at high heat? Because I want to understand what's happening to the molecules. Because I want understand, could this just be like high fructose corn syrup? You know, I, like I need to, to explore this further. And when somebody wouldn't tell me, I just couldn't approve them. So I would also say like not having Ashley cough approved on you as an approval doesn't mean you're necessarily problematic. It just means I can't, um, I can't vouch for you now. The funny part is, I used to when, when I first started. I would go out and I'd say this is the only non-biased source um, of you know ev- evaluating these products because you can't be I can't be paid for it and I'm evaluating it. And then I realized, oh my gosh, it is so wholly biased. It is literally so biased based on what I've learned, what I know, what uh, you know, what my you know my decisions are you know around that part. And so you know, I shifted my messaging a bit. Um, But still to this day on my website, we have a pretty significant database. It's just been something that over the years, as other third-party certifications have come about, um, some of them good, some of them really problematic, you know, people making things up and saying like, oh, you know, we're um, putting a circle around, you know, their approval or, you know, other things on that part. Um, And just where my life has taken me with the Better Nutrition Program, I haven't been doing the the same amount in that part. But it did, um, it allowed me to go pretty deep into the world of food um, development, if you will, and and dietary supplements. And that was a really big one. Um, There was nobody that was vetting dietary supplements in the way that I was. And so um, that resource, I think, is still good, better, not perfect. And I certainly have not looked at a lot of the products in years. So um, before you would just take it with a grain of salt, I would um, certainly look at it and then evaluate it against, you know, qualitarian measures or or that piece at this point. Yeah. Can
0: you can you walk me through the Better Nutrition Program and what, you know, what, what to expect? And, I, you know, I dug into it a bit. And, I mean, I was like, yes, 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 yes. Okay. And I could certainly use some of that. Right. And, you know, like it kind of comes back to, you know, this notion I have of, man, I just don't know how to do it right because it all seems overwhelming. So yeah. can you just walk me through how you – have created this this uh, this pro- well, it's more than a product. It's a, it's a lifestyle, really.
1: Yeah, and so part of it. So we're we're a company that offers personalized nutrition solutions to practitioners, um, to patients, or individuals, and businesses. And um, I've really been a leader in the space of personalized nutrition from the day that I um, stopped drinking goat's milk uh, because I knew that I <laughs> needed a personalized solution you know, for myself and have driven forward. And that's always something that I offered. Um, and at one, one point, somebody was like, oh, your niche is personalized nutrition. I was like, oh, I hope not. I just hope that I'm paving the way for doing it the way that it needs to be. Um, today, personalized nutrition or precision nutrition, precision medicine is um, billions and billions and billions of dollars, 50 billion plus growing as an industry, but the majority of what's offered um, is partial personal. It's not delivering on personalization. So what I felt was really important is to make accessible, to democratize being able to help individuals, um, practitioners and businesses uh, identify and make their cho- the choices that were better for them on a continuum, you know, as, they, as they're trying to improve their health. And so what we offer today through coaching packages, as well as specific programs, um, is the ability for you to come in. Um, You may have something that you want very specifically want to work on. Okay, I did the digestive evaluation or my practitioner said, or I I feel like my digestion's off and I want to do a 30-day digestive tune-up. And you come through our program and um, you have live coaching sessions. You're not just messaging with someone who has no idea who you are. Um, You have access to myself and the clinical team to evaluate what the coach is doing and also for you to connect with us in in live sessions. Um, And you go through the program and coming out of each program, we then go over with you what your better next steps are and you have access to your content over the course of for a full year. So it helps you to also do what I think is one of the most important things, which is to revisit things, at least in in some instances, they need to be revisited monthly, in some instances, quarterly, in some instances, twice a year. So one of those that's really popular right now is our continuous glucose monitor program, because there are, um, I think, almost 100 million, if I'm right, um, pre-diabetics, and that's by diagnosis. And Uh, there are so many people that would qualify as pre-diabetic if we looked at their, um, blood sugar, but hemoglobin A1C, which was once thought of, I mean, it was brand new and it was amazing when I was starting my practice. We know now today it's, it's a pretty poor assessment of blood sugar because it's an average over the course of three months. Um, and we all know with averages, uh, things can look a lot better and we can miss that there's, you know, a lot of highs and lows. Or we can also not have the data that we need to understand when and why your blood sugar is going up or it's going down. So our continuous glucose monitors allow us to do that now. And our program allows you, whether it's you yourself or you with your practitioner, to have the data that you need to actually get very specific on what you should be working on, where there's work to be done. You know, It might also validate that you're great and and come back in six months and, and do it again. Um, and do that kind of thing. And then we have others, and you actually made me think of it um, a little bit Mark in terms of, uh, cause we're working within somebody who's come through recovery and um, they had a pretty disordered relationship with their eating as a result of um, when of their addiction, um, and so they've done work. We're not we don't do the work uh, while you're in recovery, um, but afterwards, um, their therapist actually referred them over because they just want to work on a positive foundation and relationship with not just it's huge. Uh, with food. And so what one of our coaches is doing there is we actually had them, the first step was we had a a micronutrient panel. So we wanted to see, do you have any nutrient insufficiencies or deficiencies? And then we can work on helping you meet those with food or supplements, you know, as needed. Um, And then the second step from there is helping them kind of remove all of the judgments, um, around their previous choices. And, you know, really, I think it's that addiction language of, of what they were or the tape, you know, that was in their head from when oh, yeah. they were an addict. And we're, it's kind of fun. We're starting over new, uh, with that person, um, and they're doing a monthly coaching packages. So they th- at this point I think they've done like four, um, but choosing it because they're enjoying working with their coach and, and having that support. So we really run the gamut. Um, we have some athletes, you know, we have uh people who we have a men's health program because as I learned from an expert that deals with men, um our, we need to language wellness and nutrition very differently for men than we do for women. So, you know, that we design that program differently. Um, and we also develop programs and have them for other uh, companies and businesses on that part. So um, I love it. It's a way for me to do what I was doing one-on-one with so many, uh, but it's also a way for me to take somebody who um, doesn't have access to um, maybe the the a healthcare practitioner that um, understands or um, whether they or they might even understand the value, but just weren't trained in, or the restraints of their medical practice, you know, especially if they're with a bigger institution or through insurance, et cetera, doesn't allow them to work with somebody in in the way that somebody and give them the support that they need. Um, and I also love it that we get to support practitioners uh, who know that they want this for their patients, but also can't or shouldn't be doing this themselves. And, and so it, it's really fun on that part.
0: Yeah. I hear a lot of love in there. Yeah. And uh, that's good because... That's a lot of work <laughs> that you just described, and uh, I know I don't even know, not even a fraction of the half of it. So clearly, you got to love what you do, and also, um, you know, you're you're paying the bills. That's good, but this is this is work that's helping the world. Um, And I should probably
1: just in, you know, I'm, I'm as transparent as day. Um, so I'm not, I'm not paying the bills at this point. Um, I am a, an entrepreneur going on 50, I'll be 50 in September Mm. and I made a lot of money and have made a lot of money early in my career. And I've made, I feel like really good choices, maybe some less, uh, good choices in terms of that. Um, but creating a little, I had a little idea for a company that's grown into something very large and, um, and I'm not paying the bills. And I think that that's sometimes what's so hard for me is what we are doing, somebody should be paying for. Like your insurance company should be paying for this. Mm. You're, and we're working on those things. Um, and so as a result, we should be paying. We should be paid for those. And not. And I shouldn't have to worry about what do we have to charge so that we can profit as well as deliver the services because we we deliver really high quality service. And that's important to me. So that's something that we wrestle with. And I think it's a really important thing because they're just like in the food supply, there are much less expensive options available. Um, You know, you can go, um, it's called the direct to consumer market. You can go get a CGM yourself. Um, They might even offer you some messaging with a coach or they might, you know, et cetera. But if you don't have somebody who's actually helping, working with you and understanding the why you make all of your choices and looking at all of your data, um, they're going, they're not going to give you what you're going to get out of that might be a little bit better, but it's definitely not better on that part. Or if you buy a stool test that you, you know, because you see on TV that it helps somebody figure out that they were allergic to almonds and now they're all better. Um, I created those ads. They're not all better. And in fact, um, they may progressively be worse on that part just because, um, it wasn't the almonds fault. It's, you know, as I shared with you in my story, it's like, we have to heal the digestive system. So I just bring it back to, um, I I believe my company will be successful. I believe I'll be more than paying the bills. Um, But I also want to plan for us to figure out the way we're allocating healthcare resources, like what I personally pay in insurance and don't use unless, God forbid, something happens to me and what my insurance Mm -hmm. doesn't cover when things actually do and how this could all doing programs like what we have could actually prevent um, so much need for medication and, and, you know, other things. Our system's just as we all know it's just really messed up um so i stuck my foot in it because i'm here and i it, it's it, it's a part of me um but it is something that for anyone listening who is um, either a practitioner or if you are yourself going through health things etc um, it is really hard to evaluate how we spend our money on all of this and i hope that you um, if we can be a resource for you even to helping you find a better resource and not investing in us I'd love to be that person because, um, at the end of the day, we have to be able to afford what it is that's going to make us, um, healthy long-term. Otherwise it's actually not a true solution or, or a better tool for us. I think that's really important.
0: So what we're just talking about really illustrates the question I have for you. Mm-hmm. How, how have you observed You've, you've been in the back end of this thing and you've, you've been, you know, cracking the whip of the monster, and um, you've seen capitalism in its full-throated capacity. How have you observed business as a force for good, mm-hmm. as a force for change, and if, as a force for an emerging consciousness in, in health, in all, all facets? How how do we get to a place where business can serve people better and be sustainable in and of itself?
1: Yeah. It's really interesting because, um, I'm so confused, you know, I, I'm, I've felt that capitalism offers so much opportunity, but, um, and this like goes way off. I've had conversations with people that, you know, basically tell me if I want to, if my ideals towards people being equal and having equal access and, you know, my values of, you know, really respecting all individuals for who they are um, that a capitalist society can't actually support that, you know, and I think that's a really interesting, um, concept. I, you know, certainly I, I know that businesses, there's so much that we have to do to, um, correct so many, um, problems that, you know, that, um, have, uh, problems isn't even the right word, just so many injustices and, um, things that, that our society has delivered. Um, so I don't know. I you know I would have my answer historically would have always been I I think that there is an opportunity for businesses. Um that said my answer is always if we were a barter society I would slay it and I you know for me I would be like I'm like I could show up and I'm like you know I want your you know I want your um you to do the the broccoli sprouts for me and I'll do the this for you and you know and all of that stuff. So um there is a huge part of me that that communal supportive you know I I, lo- I love that piece. I think that in the interim, the way that I will answer this is as a business owner myself. Um, I am trying to um, to lead by example. Um, I am trying to own better, not perfect. Um, you know, and I think that in I'm what I recognize is my company is only as good as our outcomes are. Um, And our outcomes, because we're a business, are both fiscal and also the the results that people get for the long-term, the impact that we are having. Um, And I think recognizing that those two are completely interrelated, codependent, and can never be separated is our guiding Mm. principle. Um, What that also helps me to do, because we are a company that helps human beings become healthier or stay healthy in that part, is to recognize that every human, no matter what role they're playing in our company, has such a valuable role. They're there for a reason. And so we need to hear from them um, and not try to right answer them or direct them or morph them into something. And that's it's a it's it's hard. You know, there there are a lot of times where it's hard to sit back and um and not try to just say either let me just come in and do it, which was certainly my mm-hmm. go-to in early years. Um, but also it, wow, it's going to be a lot more complicated if I need to actually hear, like to actually listen, not just hear from, but actually listen to everyone who's engaged as a part of my team before making, you know, decisions. Um, there are many that would say that I'm crazy, that we just, you know, that that might be holding us back, but I fundamentally feel like we we have better product, you know, a, as a result of it. So the force for good, I think, can come from, it can't just be intention. It does have to be in practice. So it can't be spoken. It has to be demonstrated. And I think it can also be from recognizing that there are just things that we're not going to do. Like, And that, to me, is is a constant where... I know I can't achieve X, Y and Z, but if I can achieve X and I can do it as a force for good, that's exciting. So I think that's constantly our struggle and, and certainly a struggle of mine, which is to narrow the lens appropriately so that I can I'm, I'm not pulled in so many directions that I um, that I give in that I give up on that force for good, you know, and, and what's required there in that way. But I am totally trying to figure it out. And anyone who has any suggestions, send them my way. And I love that you asked the question. So thank you.
0: <laughs> you are welcome. And I'll keep asking it. Uh, we're, yes. we're, we're working on cracking that nut as well. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'm going to reflect it back for a second, fully understanding and acknowledging that we're selling wild salmon from clear up in Alaska. And I, if, if it were not for the fact that we discussed earlier that it is shipped in mass in a barge frozen um, and really keeping that carbon footprint way down uh, for, you know, it'd be hard to get behind that because it is, it is from far away. Um, And it does seem exotic and it's, you know, it's a price point that is, that can be difficult for some folks. And um, so, you know, bearing that in mind, I would love to know just, you know, a hundred thousand foot view from, like a Chinese spy balloon view down. Um, what what what's your take on repairing a a food supply system that is global and is kind of completely out of whack? Getting things from you know way down in New Zealand up to your plate in New York. Um, how do we start the work of repairing? our food supply systems from your perspective?
1: Yeah. So first of all, I had to giggle when you said a Chinese spy, because of course we're like, if, depending on when somebody's listening to this, we're like two days away for past uh, the balloon, you know, the, the yes, balloon sir. over, et cetera. <laughs> so I was like, I might not want to be in that one. Um, so the good news is, and I, I am maternally optimistic, I'm not Pollyanna where I just don't see any reality, but I I, I do, I am optimistic. Um, there are so many great people and organizations working on this and there's such good Mm. work that's being done. And I think sometimes it's too easy to point at something like I love when I, I love, I joke at loving, you know, when somebody talks about how almonds, uh, yes, almonds take up a lot of water to grow almonds. Um, so, um, let, let's work on water supply and let's understand that part. But that isn't a reason to um, now go drink oat milk. And then we find out with oat milk that there's this, you know, and it just, it's this ongoing cycle of like everybody blaming every other Surety. thing. And remember what's at the root of all of this is my job out of college. Every one of these products and these, or these, um, foods, they all have a publicist. And they're, the job of that publicist is to make you think that their product is better, their ingredient is better, right? Like, so there's the walnut board, and they're going to make you think that walnuts are always a better choice than almonds, even, or they're going to definitely talk about, you know, um, if you're the The Chia people, you're going to talk about being better than flaxseed and all this stuff. No, no, no. So one of the things that we have to understand is so like almost all of the communication that we get is driven from this PR messaging because that's they send press releases out. That's what gets in the media. That's what people are writing about. That's a lot of times what in that era that we had of bloggers, maybe we still have it. That's what people are talking about. So it's really, really important to not just repeat things or to not just believe things that have been repeated multiple times. I think it's -hmm. going to be really interesting with chat GPT because um, unfortunately, you know, what chat GPT does is it goes in and it searches. So if something has been talked about a lot, it's pulling that information. And we're going to see a lot of these more quote unquote facts or pre things presented um, in that way. So, so please proceed with caution because, I can argue, and this is having boots on the ground in Brazil, in Bali, in Alaska, in Norway. Like I have gone around two places in in uh, um, I mentioned New Zealand, Australia, etc. To And also in Maryland, like into, into labs, like I have seen what is grown, how we're doing it, and the impacts in the communities. So sometimes how something is shipped or sent, yes, there is a cost and there is an environmental cost. But I'll give the example of sugar in Brazil. The, the switch to biodynamic growing of sugar in, in this town in Brazil Ultimately, brought back rivers. Um, very unhappily for me, also brought back anacondas and other very large <laughs> beings, you know, into that area. Um, that they were able to then, um, from a water standpoint and from the sourcing of the cane, able to create a power system um, that one got sugar, you know, and whatever one wants to think about sugar, their sugar is just. Sugar, um, And they were able to power that whole community for whole periods of time of the year and to, you know, and reduce plastic usage and like all of these amazing things. So is their product shipped to the United States? Absolutely. You know, but Then when you look at the carbon offsets there, so, you know, it's very trendy for us to talk about, like, oh, I did this carbon offset on that part. You know, the the salmon in Alaska are there to die, like they come back Mm -hmm. to die. So we need to get them and we need to bring them and what they do in our food supply to those that are able to access it, um, you know, and, and be able to eat made in the USA, you know, and that are born in the USA salmon uh, in that capacity means that somebody doesn't necessarily need to take an omega-3 fish oil that maybe um, is destroying an ecosystem in Chile, um, but is labeled as Norwegian or, you know, whatever in that part, right? And so these things are, they're, they're complicated and they're important for us to understand. So one of the things that has to happen, why I feel good and what's the above is we have to stop perpetuating these stories about, well, I don't have that because of this issue. Like, yes, there are really severe issues. Palm oil. Like, there's an entire group of kids these days, which I love, where they're like, we will not touch anything that has anything to do with palm oil. And I'm like, okay, we might need to revisit that and understand where, yes, palm oil has caused mass sourcing of palm oil and massive destruction. What palms where, And also, can we support places that have figured out how to do this more successfully or you know what does it mean for those communities um and remember coconuts a palm right you know so there's like all of these mm-hmm. things that that we need to talk about in that space and i think that it can really for any of us that have the ability to grow anything i think that's super valuable um, for us to have a forward-looking um, view on resources um, in terms of you know things like hydroponics and others where, you're right, they may not be grown in soil, so maybe we shouldn't call them organic. But at the same time, I want to know that when somebody is growing things in a hydroponic environment that they aren't using pollutants and other things, so what standard can I use? So let's reduce the infighting and the conversations, you know, and bring things forward uh, in a more meaningful way. And I think that if we grow things ourselves and if we also interact with people who are growing things um, down the street from me here, there's a woman who um, her restaurant is literally zero kilometers. So she goes into the backyard and they raise the pigs and you see them all summer long and they're the cutest little things and then they're killing them. And they're eating them. And you know, for me, it's like I like I can't kill a pig. Like I I'm so down if other people and, and if you can, if you're in that space and I understand the life cycle, but then I better not eat pig if I can't deal with the fact that the pig was killed, you know, yeah. and those sorts of things. So that's I think there's really great stuff that's going on um, in a lot of ways. Um, but what will be our what will continue to be our undoing is this taking sides around quote unquote right answers. It is gray better health is gray, better nutrition is gray, better sourcing is gray, like all of these pieces. And we need to hold companies accountable to being better. But at the same time, we also need to make sure our purchasing decisions are based off of better information on that part, for sure. Kind of my favorite topic. So totally. There you go. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's
0: fantastic. And uh, I'm, I'm totally down with everything in that, in that segment. And you're right as companies, um, we we got to make decisions. We've made a decision um, at Ava's Wild to go with packaging that is 100% recyclable or compostable. It's more expensive. It's less of a margin for us. We're trying to stay competitive with pricing. But you know, um, w- when we talk to our packaging guys, they're like, "Look, it, people don't want to spend the money. It's not been the norm, and and it, it hasn't you know created a swell in the market sufficient to demand that." and we're just like we're going to do that and try to grow into that swell mm-hmm. for folks. So you're right, somebody somewhere has got to make the decision and um and then it and then it comes to the consumer and and that's what we're talking about here yeah. as well. Um what is the what is your favorite part about the work that you get to do?
1: Well, I get to keep people off doing a goat's smoke cleanse. I mean, that was really sucked, that goat smoke cleanse. You know, so I think on that part, um, I typically do, you know, it, I don't, I honestly think it would be like, I, I, I don't, I think I don't have a favorite. I mean, I'm lucky I have created a life of my choosing and my, you know, this really isn't a career for me. It, it's a, it's a mission and it's, Um. Mm-hmm. It, it's just me like it, you know, it folds in. um. But I think there's, if I had to identify something, it's not really a thing, but it's. I get to see on a regular basis moments where people light up in themselves. And those may oh, nice. be the coaches that work for me, work with me, um, and work with our, our participants. They may be our operations people, you know, it's our contractors, um, certainly our participants. Uh, it may be when I'm consulting with companies and helping them understand, you know, how they can, you know, address situations like what you're talking about, you know, and those sorts of things. So I think I like that. I think I like that light bulb, you know, moment that, that, um, Hey, I'm in this great place for me, like, you know, and and, and kind of th- that side of it. And I, somebody once asked me what my superpower was. This was a fun game that we played in Alaska, you know, when it's light until um like all it's 24 hour light. So what do you do at right. midnight? And it was like, what are your superpowers? And all the guys, you know, my brothers and these other folks, everybody had, they, they had great superpower. And I was like, I'm like a mirror. And they made so much fun of me, like, oh, like, (laughs) okay, you see yourself and everyone, you know, and I was like, no, I'm a mirror that likes to shine back. Like, I like to Mm -hmm. show people the best in themselves. Like I really, and so I think in this job, I get to show people and help them find like the best in themselves. And so I think that, you know, that propels me through this career that takes gazillions of different paths on, on that part. So it is a superpower that I own on that piece.
0: Well, we're going to start, it's a great superpower and we're going to start winding it down here, Mm but, um, food is a big deal and it should be because we need it to continue to operate as a species here. So it's inarguable, you know, that's another thing that I love about this. And it's one of the reasons it's the chief reason we actually brought this in as the main, the main channel for change, um, when we talked about this work with Bristol Bay was really focusing on the food because it's not, it's not political at all. Right. We all have to eat. So in that vein, I got two, two questions for you to start wrapping this up. One is, um, what would you say to encourage young people who are fascinated by food and, uh, its necessity in our, in our culture and as a species. And then the second part is, uh, where do you see a long table for, um, kind of creating more conversations around things that are inarguable to try to bridge the divides that we find ourselves in? Food is a wonderful place. Maybe it's a, it's an allegory that you can relate to, um, mending fences or, you know, crossing bridges or crossing divides. By the work that you've done in food, so it, two part. It's what, what do you say to young folks, and how do you see food as a place to find common ground?
1: Yeah, the the first one's an easy answer. I can't handle the number of emails and parents who um, maybe know my parents, or um, and now it's like the kids of uh, the people that you know I grew up with, et cetera who like the number of requests that come in, can I talk to them because they're interested in nutrition or sustainability or whatever? I don't think I have to say anything. I think that we, there is nothing to say. I think that they are so much more keenly aware of excited mm. by making choices, investing in, you know, it, it's um, it's really, it, there's a lot of value in there. I hope that doesn't change. You know, sometimes we see that change with with different generations. Um, so they're probably just constantly the the, the right answer or the, the thing I can answer is what do you say to those individuals that are so upset by what their um, parents and grandparents are doing? Um, and that is, uh, you know, um, push harder against them, you know, help them, you know, make better choices, introduce your parents or your grandparents or aunts and uncles to um, to information and to better choices and things like that and go for it. You know, whether it's companies or, um, tech solutions or packaging designs or any of these things, like figure it out. I'm, I'm an advisor at Tufts and I'm, I teach a, um, I'm a guest teacher for, uh, one of the courses there in the, um, graduate program in the nutrition and entrepreneurship. And, um, I love it. Like, I mean, what they are doing is like, I, it just, it lights me up, you know, to be a part of these presentations and and that stuff. So that's, that's the easy one to answer. Um, I'm not sure on a long table in in terms of that. I think, I think we, I think there's probably two pieces of things that every one of us needs to think about. And that is how much can we personally handle? Um, because when any of us decides to take on too much, it just doesn't Mm. work out better. And That often means that um, go with something because if you can make a difference there, um, that is going to be something, and and if you can talk to people and and explore it and dive into it, um, that will change, that will have reverberating changes in a community. So I may, like, how many years I was saying, like, oh, eat wild salmon or, you know, oh, wild salmon or, you know, even... Go, like I went to Norway and I was like, oh, farm salmon versus wild salmon and all of this stuff. But my brother brought me up to Bristol Bay. So like for me, Bristol Bay is like a community story where I'm like, I like, mm-hmm. no, like I, I I and, you know, meeting, sitting in the room, uh, you know, a, a two room house um, where the um, just so beautifully like the the energy and that it was a in a local village and it was just this beautiful Like, the amount of love and, like, it came in and there was, like, everyone was so excited and their dogs or, you know, just with, and they brought, like, their smoked salmon, like, they had um, the hanging salmon and brought in as, like, the, Mm -hmm. I think the term is not actually correct. When I used to call it Indian candy, I don't know, you know, but it would be, like, salmon candy. Like, they had, you know, done that. Mm -hmm. And gave it, and I was just like, you guys, legit, this is the best food, uh, you know, I mean, and watching the the eyes pop of this chef, like Rick Moonen, this like, you know, phenomenal chef is in there. And he's like, you guys, this is amazing. And it's like, when you have that moment with people, like, I like, w- are we at all alike in terms of, you know, and en- what we would vote for, what all these, it didn't matter in any way they knew I left there and I was like, I'm on it. Like, whatever I can do, I'm on it. I, like, I, I'm, I don't know who I know, but I'm going to find some, we are going to work on this, you know, in whatever capacity. And that's because as we started the conversation off with, I was I, I was there, you know, it's like you have that experience. So don't pass on, again, only deal with what you can handle, um, but recognize sometimes we get so wrapped up in our own personal lives of what's not working or what we're overwhelmed with or any of these other pieces and when you're able to be in service to something with others and bigger and that has a legacy you know in in terms of its impact if you can find something like that do that and I think that that will help that that's how we'll get I think that's that long table that's how we'll get where we need to go by everybody having something that they that that you know um I'm a child of the, the seventies, eighties, like it's a black crow song. I quote soul singing. Like if something Mm. makes your soul sing, like that's what you should be doing. And that oftentimes isn't at all related to our work. And it's really related to what we can do, you know, for, for, and with others. And I, I think that's, I guess that's the way I'd go along table. Is that remotely in your, your answer space there?
0: I I give that an amen and uh, a perfect place to park it for today. Uh, love that. And, um, awesome. I'm going to give you just w- one quick little bonus round here because nobody escapes it, but you know, uh, let's just say your, your house, you had to get out of your house and God knows today with the, <laughs> the weather patterns these days. Um, but if you could only grab, save two things, two physical things out of your house, what would those two things be?
1: It's absolutely hilarious because right now I'm having literally a fire sale at my home and selling everything um, with my move to Maine. So I I think I'm actually experiencing what you're talking about. So things would not be like, (laughs) i.e. my dog, right, on on that part. You're not talking about that. Okay, so what are two Mm -hmm. things that I would grab from my home? Um, Literally, if today I had to get out of here, um, okay, I will say one. It's going to sound promotional. Um, I moved up to Maine. This is my first winter up here. If you don't know what a dry robe is, oh my gosh. A dry <laughs> robe is the best coat on the entire planet. I make no money from them. I have no relationship with them. They have saved my life and my experience. Um, designed for swimmers um, and people who are out in the water uh, to be able to change underneath. Um, and I'm this large amoeba that goes hiking <laughs> everywhere. And the whole town, and the whole community <laughs> knows me from my dry robe. I would that dry robe would be coming with me also because it's super deep pockets. So, you know, as I go along (laughs) and pick things up, so I think that I would take that. And, um, okay, let me think. So, I've got that one.
0: We must have the same algorithm because I get the dry robe. And maybe because we're talking about it now. Sorry, but I don't have one, but I'm like, man, that looks fantastic. Okay, you
1: said literally just two things. Well, I think the. So there's a real answer and then there's a not so real answer. So the real answer is I would probably grab hemp seeds um, because Mm. I feel like if I had them, like just the largest bag that I have, if I have them, I feel like I'm going to be okay for a while and I could probably find like some berries and maybe learn how to choose which ones aren't poisonous or things like that. But that would give me something to snack on that gave me some good nutrients and could sustain me for, for a bit of time. If I was being honest and not really thinking about my survival, it would probably be like, I hope I have some dark chocolate and I could take that chocolate with me. So <laughs> that would probably talking. be my two things, yeah. right? Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. One thing of your makeup, uh, your internal makeup. You're you're a little bit more on a spiritual level. Like, if you could only take one attribute of Ashley along, what would that be?
1: Ooh. I guess my sense of humor. I feel like nothing else is I'm I quote Jimmy Buffett, and, you know, if we couldn't laugh, we'd all go insane. So I think on that part. And by the way, I'm only funny to myself. So it's <laughs> in that part I'm like, all right, <laughs> no, that's you know.
0: Funny. I mean, that's there funny we go. right there. Yeah. It's beautiful. And and very, very last, <laughs> if if this was a fire, what would you leave to be burned up and purified in that fire? Anything about yourself or about Anything oh, you've collected yeah. in this life? So,
1: I mean, I don't know how it would be purified, but so first of all, um, I would leave everything because I am so right. detached from things. Um, and I'd get outside and try to find people and figure out how we're going to do this together. So I think there's, there's that piece. I think if you're talking about internally, um, I have way too many messages in my mind, um, that consistently, you know, I guess it's on one shoulder, if you will, or whatever. Um, that, uh, either tell me I'm not doing enough or the things that I should be doing. Um, and gosh, it would be great if those went into flames. And I was just like, you know, it, it, it's like kind of that, like how do you become eternally present and just, you know, all of that piece. And um, that's all a work in process for me.
0: Yeah. As, as we all are. So Ashley kauf RD, thank you for showing up yeah. today in full force, in full presence and uh we will link it in the show notes but how do folks find the work that you're up to
1: sure um please feel free to reach out to me you can pretty much find me anywhere on social media um you know ashley Koff or the better nutrition program and the website is thebetternutritionprogram.com and you can go to explore programs and uh check out what we have um or just chat us and, w- and we'll work with you to figure out what could be better for you on that part
0: thank you my friend till next time
1: so good thank you How do you
0: say what you love? How do you say what you love? Thanks for joining us here on Save What You Love. If you'd like to support our work, you can subscribe to this podcast through your favorite podcatcher or at avaswild.com. That's the word save spelled backwards, wild.com. And if you like these conversations, you can help keep them coming your way by giving us a rating and a review on Apple podcasts for photos, follow us on Instagram at save what you love podcast. This episode was produced and hosted by me, Mark Titus and edited by Patrick troll. Save what you love is a partnership between Ava's wild stories and magic canoe in collaboration with the salmon nation trust. And this episode was recorded on the traditional homelands of the Duwamish people whose practices and spiritualities were and are tied to this land and water.